Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gay With God podcast, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Or are we still searching? The stories you hear on this podcast will melt your heart and strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible and you can be authentically gay with the God of your understanding. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Gay With God podcast. As always, thank you so much for subscribing, listening, giving me comments. I love you guys. You're awesome. Keep it up. We're having a great time over here listening to your comments, and and, um, I just really appreciate you guys. I say that every week, but it's because it's true. Today, I have another awesome guest for you, Cody Lee Ollidge was born and raised in a small town just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. He was raised in a little old Southern Baptist church where gospel music and old-time religion played an integral part in his upbringing. Being a mama's boy, he spent a lot of time around women. His best friends in grade school were always the girls, nurturing a feminine persona in him, causing a lot of bullying and then questioning his sexuality. Cody attended a Pentecostal church of God of prophecy, which kept him in the closet. He went on to travel and lead worship all over the Southeast, California, and the British Virgin Islands with his Pentecostal Christian University's worship choir for seven semesters, traveling, leading worship, singing with various worship teams, interning at churches, and working in ministry in various capacities for 11 years. It was then time for Cody to come to terms with who God made him to be and now identifies as pansexual. Cody lives in Wilmington, North Carolina. He is working in real estate marketing and as a freelance health coach. He is involved in his community and has created an incredible group of affirming friends. He is pushing himself daily to learn more about theology and growing in his relationship with God. He is happy and knows that God loves him. And that's beautiful, Cody. That is just beautiful. And and I know you from several different mediums online. I'm so excited to have you in the Gay With God house tonight. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, I'm so excited. I know this has been a time coming and and just so the listeners know, we were scheduled before, but you had an accident on the night that we were scheduled. Literally literally down the road, I was like rushing home and with the time change, uh, heavy traffic, my car, my car was plowed into. So oh my goodness! Where I uh, thank God, literally, I'm I walked out without a scratch. So oh, yes, God is good, and I'm so happy, and I'm glad that we were able to reschedule. And yeah, and he's so sweet, guys. He he messages me on the night of his accident, like the right after. One, she's the first one I messaged. Not even my mom. <laughs> and he goes, "I'm really sorry. Can we reschedule?" I'm like yes. <laughs> Yes. So awesome. You're such, you're the coolest guy ever. So I am so honored to have you here, my dear friend. And so let's get started with your story. So why don't we start with, when did you figure out that you might be gay? You know, like I said, in my little bio, I do identify mm-hmm. as pansexual now after mm-hmm. a lot of searching, soul searching and growing up and uh, discovering who I am. So, but um, I started realizing my attraction back in like, I think sixth or seventh grade. Wow. Um, early on, maybe even fifth grade. 
um, being raised super, super conservative and religious and um, gay wasn't a word we talked about. Um, Mm -hmm. And like I said, in, in the little bio, um, I was raised around a lot of women and Mm -hmm. I just always hung out with the girls, my best friends there. It was me and two other girls specifically. And um, I just, and I was a mama's boy and I hung out with my mama and she was always around the women at church. And, you know, I was a little more flamboyant that I didn't fit the mold that Mm -hmm. the church told me to fit Mm -hmm. that all the kids at school told me to fit. And, um, you know, I was, (laughs) I'm a bigger guy and I didn't do sports. I didn't care about that stuff. So, um, I didn't, I wasn't in sports with all of the other guys. So I wasn't, you know, the jock or athletic Mm -hmm. and those things just giving them more reasons to make fun of me. Right. Yeah. So, um, they back, I did have one guy best friend I was in fourth and fifth grade and um and then into sixth grade and um the kids would call us gay because we were Mm -hmm. like best guy friends and I didn't know what that was (laughs) (laughs) honestly um I don't ever remember recognizing any of that prior to adolescence and uh or you know puberty and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and I turned to the internet for answers and Uh, whenever I turned to the internet for answers, uh, at such a young age, you know, it, I, um, I realized, you know, things started clicking, you know, I always was more drawn to women, but also drawn to guys. Um, uh, even though I didn't understand those feelings and stuff, Mm -hmm. I started to say, you know, maybe this is who I am. Um, but I would fight it. I would fight Uh it because once I started asking questions, um, you know, I don't remember a specific instance, but I probably asked my parents, what does this mean? These kids are calling me these words. And they're like, well, you're not, um, you know, well, I, <laughs> you know, they they probably were like, you're not, but, yeah. um, that's not okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. Says that you're going to go to hell. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, not do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing that people don't understand is that we, we have a glimmer I think most of us have a glimmer of awareness and it gets shut down so quickly that we don't even recognize it. So, you know, I, I too had a very best friend in seventh grade and it was probably my major first crush. And my mom said it was a sick relationship and she was grateful when the girl dropped out of my life because mama had that feeling and I didn't ever recognize it. Although I knew that I was deeply you know, an emotional caring for her, uh, yeah. but, you know, and then it gets shut down so fast with the bigotry of the Bible and the, you know, how it's interpreted. And it's, it's really hard, very hard. So with that upbringing and with that indoctrination of anything gay, as they described it back then, and, and you couldn't go on the internet, even in your young age and find the word pansexual, probably, you know, as yeah. we've, as we've like embraced the gay as so many other variations. Um, I was reading in Fiona's book. I don't know if you have this book yet, but it is, <laughs> it is so funny. It says, our bisexual is just greedy. And it goes <laughs> it goes through all the different things, that, you know, all the different labels and all that. But it's so funny that, you know, it, it describes how we get to become a little bit more clear about our identity over mm-hmm. time. And so we're all not just specifically gay. Um, and so, and we'll get into to you identifying as pansexual later on, but so how long did it take you to be able to come out to yourself, to come out, you know, as different from the mainstream heterosexual group 
When did you come out? Which time? <laughs> <laughs> Start so, wherever you want, honey. <laughs> so the first time, it was the end of my freshman year of high school. That's when it was. Okay. And I had gotten some friends being in the small school that I was raised in. Um, I only had like a tunnel vision. I only had certain friends. But then I went up to high school and suddenly there were several different communities that I had never gone to school with before all these other different friends I got involved with the I'm a vocalist and I got involved with the choir there and the theater department and I started finding kids just like me and who were gonna you know accept me and love me so I started to feel more comfortable uh with who I was and I knew uh for the first time in my entire life I knew a a gay person (laughs) so I would I just kind of like idolized them and I was like what is that like anyway um so I started kind of accepting who I was. I came out to a few friends. And then by the end of my freshman year, I knew I had to keep it secret from my church and keep it secret from my family. Cause I was like, they are going, they are going to send me to hell before God. Oh, yes. Those were my mindsets back then. Uh-huh. Sure. Uh, I, I, I wrote a letter that I do that. I just like write out, I'll write my feelings out. And um, that's how I came out to all my friends at school. Um, but that summer after freshman year of high school, uh, I went to like uh, an FCA camp. I was on the, I was like vice, I was on the board or something with the, our school's fellowship of Christian athletes. Uh, and I went to a church camp that summer and um, I went to a literal class at FCA camp that was like basically how to not be gay or something. Or like, if you have friends that are how to witness to them. Yes. Yes. Oh Shocking, my goodness. Oh my um, gosh. I, I also remember like talking to these two um, women who were in the class who were former quote unquote, former lesbians. And they said that, uh, or I, I asked them, I was like, so I have a friend. <laughs> they, could, they could see right through that. I have a friend who might be gay. All of sophomore year, I came back to school and all of sophomore year, I just, you know, did whatever I wanted. I lived that life. I was out at school, but I was in the closet everywhere else. Um, and my life started to become just a web of lies. Um, mm. My parents found out December of that year. Um, I woke up one morning at 6 a.m. My mom knocked on my door and she was like, we need to, you need to come out here and talk. And uh, they were like, we found some, we found your letter. We found, oh. some yeah. And that was a very, very difficult day. And um, and but I denied it. I said, you know what? That this is just a this is just a phase. Uh, I'm gonna, you know, th- that was long gone. That, uh-huh. Mama, I wrote that back in May. That's not. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And I was like, I love the Lord, and I'm going to heaven. So they were super suspicious of me, um, obviously, in that little season. But um, then, towards the end of my sophomore year, I found a girl that liked me. So mm. and I was cra- craving so much for attention that um or not attention like just affection that's the right uh-huh. word. I was uh-huh. craving affection so much and she was a Christian and I was like how do you what do you like about me <laughs> like uh-huh. I'm gay so then I was like well you know maybe I'm bi so uh and I did like her I really liked her a lot um and we dated for a couple months and then into the beginning of summer um uh, she broke up with me uh-huh. and I realized I had to you know, make a decision in that a decision of which path to choose, because she had started bringing me back on the quote unquote Christian lifestyle, which I'd been raised in since I was three. Uh-huh. You know? 
middle of the Bible Belt, Nashville, like <laughs> or, no small town outside. Yes, of yes. So, um, so I had to, I realized like I had to make a decision. And I was super depressed, and um, it there was one day where I had people telling me, like literal one side saying, you know, you can be gay and be a Christian. And the other side saying like, no, you need to repent of your sins and, and God loves you, but you have to live this way. I used to, I used the analogy of like the devil and angel mm-hmm. on my shoulders, like mm-hmm. that cartoon, Tom and Jerry were on my yep. shoulder trying to tell, I was so confused, mm-hmm. um, but I had feared so far from God. I wasn't sure which was the angel and which was the devil. Mm-hmm. So, um, and th- now I'm getting into like the testimony that I've told for years, you know, about how I came back to God. I had thought, but now I, you know, I realized it was just a lot of manipulation and misinterpretation and just desire slash feeling the need, like I have to abide by this certain construct and fit in this box that mm-hmm. the church was telling me that mm-hmm. I had to do. So uh, I basically, a couple months later into the beginning of my junior year, I ran back in the closet. Um, mm-hmm. I went, I found a new church. I had experienced some church trauma. The church that I grew up at spent, you know, all those 17 years at. And um, a friend invited me to a Pentecostal church. I got a prophecy literally right down the street from my house. And um, I started going and started leading worship at the church, uh, singing the same songs that I'd sung all my life and, but putting on a, on a mask of Mm -hmm. what I was told to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and then one night on August 31st, 2011, the day after my 17th birthday, I experienced God truly for the first time in my entire life. Mm. Um, and like I was at the altar crying and praying, just God, fill me, heal me. And, um, I was looking for love in all the wrong places. And I still say that like genuinely, I was looking for love and trying to find it in people when I should have been finding it in him uh, or they, you know, that's mm-hmm. yeah, that's a whole nother. Finding, <laughs> uh, finding it in, in God. And, um, and I fell passionately in love with God that night, even though I look back and the prayers that I prayed, some of them are not in vain, but just the mindset and the, the cho- choices that I made maybe that night weren't the best, <laughs> but genuinely that's the night that I fell in love with God mm. and accepted the call to ministry. And, um, and for the first time in my whole life created or realized that my relationship with God was my decision and mm-hmm. my, um, it was my responsibility mm-hmm. and not just doing what I had always been told to do. Mm-hmm. And it's still kind of what I continued to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. what I was told to do. Yeah. And then I went on to uh, my Christian university and uh, Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee, literal, like where the Pentecostal holiness movement began. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> where the headquarters of two international Pentecostal univers- uh, denominations are. And, um, and that's where, you know, I, I mean, I went there for five years. Um, I was a super senior. And I traveled on <laughs> worship um, and we're, we're getting a little bit into like, I promise we're going to get to the second coming up. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. <laughs> so we're, just, we're giving a summation of the whole testimony, I guess. You could say. But, um, yeah. I led worship for seven semesters with the choir on campus, traveled and left that choir 
and then started ministering at a church. Uh, and like I said, in the, you know, in the little bio, mm-hmm. I did a lot of things for 11 years. I was, mm-hmm. um, whatever church I could get into, uh, not that I was like trying to work my way. Well, I'd say everyone in Cleveland was trying to work their way up <laughs> into yeah. the church, <laughs> try and get somewhere in the headquarters. But, yeah. um, you know, just, I, I was working myself to death to try mm. and run away from who I was. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. I, oh my God, the amount of times I would pray and sob and cry, uh-huh. uh, asking God to like fully heal me. I would, I would suppress, suppress, suppress for so long and just keep myself as busy as humanly possible, mm-hmm. wearing myself ragged, mm-hmm. um, just trying to work my way into heaven. Uh-huh. Um, and one of the things that oh, it just upsets me so bad, and I literally used to say this to people, maybe you didn't pray hard enough, uh-huh. didn't have enough faith. You don't know the times that I sat in my college dorm by myself with God or like even with mentors and friends and just crying and saying like, literally I would die. (laughs) I will die right here. Like, Mm -hmm. just take me, just take Mm -hmm. me. How much faith do I need? Like, because I'm giving you every ounce of myself, Mm -hmm. not, Mm -hmm. not just in works, but in my faith, like literal, like I'm just trying to keep myself busy to keep my mind at bay. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have these thoughts running Mm -hmm. from who I was. So that happened. (laughs) I would have good seasons and bad seasons, um, but I defined good as suppression and just pretending like everything was okay and defined bad as moments of rebellion. But really and truly, I look back now and not to say that I didn't enjoy college. It was the best years of my life, honestly, like as far as like the fun that I had, but yeah. inside of me, it was so dark, so yeah. dark. So the facade and the mask were fully intact, oh, you know, behind well, closed doors. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. I know how to put on the mask really well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's important information that, you know, we can look fine on the outside. You know, we can act as if, you know, we're exactly what everybody thinks that we are because yeah. showing them who we really are is dangerous and it's scary. Yeah. And for us back in those days, it was, you're going to hell. And so mm-hmm. we could not allow ourselves to feel that authentic part of us and survive the culture we lived in. Yeah. Yeah. And luckily I did have one or two, two people who I could, they knew everything they Mm -hmm. knew whenever, um, whenever I was struggling, whenever, which I was struggling the whole time, but they knew, you know, whenever I was on one side and when I was on the other, but they, and they're still in my life and they're two of the most incredible closest people to me Mm. Um, but they they literally have told me they would tell me like cody just you know choose (laughs) not like not just make a decision already but like we're gonna love you regardless and and one of them specifically was a pastor's kid like she Mm. was a she was a raised in the pentecostal church of god pastor's kid and she knew all the things and um she still would say like, you know, I'll love you. God loves you regardless. And that mm-hmm. was, that was a huge relief. I wouldn't, I literally would not be here. Right. For them. Not yeah. that they saved me from an encounter, but you know, like just them keeping me afloat. Uh, and yeah. 
And having having a, a, a glimmer or a shard of light coming through the yeah. darkness to say, somebody will still love me, no matter yeah. what, somebody will still love me. And to hear that God would love you from, from the most, you know, surprising source, uh, yeah. Pentecostal yeah. preacher kid. Yeah. <laughs> good for you, girl, whoever you are, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I ramble. What's new? So um, <laughs> anyway... Um, 2020 happened. That was fun. I had a, someone who I'd only ever actually met once, um, a pastor in Knoxville who reached out to me and was like, Hey, you know, I know I, my degree's PR. Um, and then I do freelance graphic design, social media management, photography. Um, I'm a huge creative person. That's my vibe. So, uh, he reached out to me. He was like, you know, I've seen your portfolio, um, just a, a similar project that we worked on before. And he was a, a youth pastor at a big, huge church up there in Knoxville. And he also knew I led worship. And he said, you know, we're moving to Wilmington to, to help start, or no, not to help, to start a church. <laughs> and he said, God placed you on my heart. And um, I'd love just to tell you about the church and see if you'd be willing to move to Wilmington. I had never heard of Wilmington before. Ah, okay. <laughs> uh, I, didn't know, I didn't know anything about coastal Carolinas really other than Myrtle Beach once. So I just met up with him, talked to him about it, and I felt God stir in my heart um, that I was supposed to move. So I That was in like May of 2020. By September, I had moved home, uh, back home to Nashville to save up some money to uh to move to Wilmington and by April of 2021 uh, I moved out here to help start a church <clears throat> and the night that my parents left they dropped me off with the U-Haul I I don't think I've ever cried that hard in my Aww. entire life um not because they left but because I was terrified of who I was mm. um, I sat on the phone with one of my another close very close brother of mine I guess you'd call him and I sat on the phone with him and I was like, Billy, I'm just so, so terrified uh, that I've come this far. I have no one other than this pastor and his family who I, I don't know that well. Um, mm -hmm. I have no one. And what if I come out here and I do something bad and I succumb to my temptations and then I lose everything and I have no one. Uh -huh. uh, and I just had so many feelings that night and he was like, why don't like, what do you have to say to God? And I sat on the phone with him and I had the most real and raw terrified prayer with God. And I was like, God, just like, please help me, help me not be who the church says that I am like the disgusting. So my back up, like, you know, my view of the LGBT community was what the church told me was it's this disgusting disease ridden group of mm -hmm. people. They're yeah. all just going to hell. They just want you to, you know, they're speaking lies to you. And mm -hmm. uh, I didn't want to be that. <laughs> Do I want to be that? No. Who like, does. Right. <laughs> so that's what I was running from. I was running from myself. I was running from hell. I was running from all these things that the church was telling me I was. So um, I was terrified of becoming that. So right. I just prayed and prayed and sobbed to the point that I could barely talk and barely breathe mm. to God. Um, so I moved here and then some stuff happened towards the end of 20 or no, sorry, uh, towards the end of July of 2021. I've been on a health journey since 
May of 2020. Um, I was 364 pounds, had two back surgeries at the age of like 24, 25. Oh, I was in a lot of pain and um, had some diseases and stuff like, uh, like I was disease, high blood pressure, all that kind of stuff. And I just, I was in a terrible place. So um, I decided in May, 2020 that I was going to get my health right, but I couldn't do it. Like I just couldn't do it. I couldn't get my mind in the right spot. And I know this seems like it's off kilter a little bit, but like really my health journey has been the catalyst and the, a very integral part in my deconstruction and my coming to terms with my sexuality, that whole journey. Um, because once you start to love yourself physically, it's hard to not love yourself authentically in every way. Anyway, so some stuff happened um, in my personal life at the end of July of 2021. And I happened to be at um, a conference with my health health program. And um, it was the perfect time or perfect place at the perfect time. And, um, and it was just a conference where they're basically like, you know, you can do anything, basically. <laughs> you can do anything you set your mind to, like, uh-huh. follow, follow the plan, follow your path, you know, create your own destiny. And um, I was like, well, all right, let's, it's time because I'm literally at the lowest point in my whole life. And I have to get my, I have to get my shit together. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so um I took, I moved, I came back to Wilmington um, from that conference and I was in communication with my pastor here uh, and we were literally about to launch the church, but I told him, I was like, other than work and launching the church, I'm basically taking a sabbatical because I have to focus on my healing, mental, spiritual, physical health, everything. So I took some time to really pray for the first time in my life. That's when I realized I have to build my own theology. Like I just, well, I I didn't go into it like that. I went into it thinking like, I have to figure this out, figure out who God is for myself because all my life I've literally, Mm -hmm. you you hear our parents say, if you're going to jump off a bridge, if someone told you to jump off a bridge, would you do it just because they said to do it? (laughs) You're going to say no, but that's literally what I was doing my whole life. Right, right. told not to question, told not to dive too deep because you know that's where you just don't question that's <laughs> right narrow and just do what i say not as i do you know right anyway. so the 10-year anniversary of august 31st 2011 um i went down to the beach by myself i found a secluded spot um and i just sat there and i cried mm-hmm. and um in like kind of a reverence i i called it my date with god um as like a 10 year, you know, anniversary. I filmed a video that night of myself. I was like, this might be a good idea. I filmed a, it's a 20 minute video and I haven't watched it since because I can't bring myself to do it. Mm. But I literally was talking to 17 year old Cody Aww. and saying like, this is how far you've come. And basically the whole video is like, look at all you've done for God. You still mm. have these feelings. You're still depressed. You're still you still hate yourself, but it's fine. I kept saying, quote, but it's fine. So many, it's like the meme of the, the dog in the fire you're building, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's fine. Everything's on fire, but it, it's fine. And <laughs> that's such a tear. Like while I was recording that video, I was like, this is depressing. <laughs> this is sad. You still yes. hate yourself. Yes. You still hate yourself. You still are running from who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, so, it's interesting. Can I can I just say it's interesting 
at this point, what I'm thinking about is that your health issues, all of the weight, all of the health problems is just one more manifestation of covering up our truth. We just continue to find ways, whether it's drugs, alcohol, food, you know, anorexia, it doesn't matter. Something comes into our life that creates such drama for us that we don't have time to go and reflect inside and find our authentic self. And then for you to, to put all of that into what I've done for God, instead of looking at how desperately depressed and unhealthy you were emotionally, and then going to Midge's favorite word, fine feelings inside, not expressed. Yeah. Just such a, that was, and I, you'll, you'll read it in the memoir, how Sue called me out on that word when we first met. But, <laughs> so I, I just love I pre-order. I'm so excited to pre-order. Plug uh, it's coming in January, coming in January. Um, anyway, so back to you. So, <laughs> so I think I wanted to point that out because so many people create a crisis around themselves in order to stay appropriate for the church and for society and not to dive too deep. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're 300 and what, 64 pounds, yeah. that's a lot of deep diving that you would have had to, to go into to find your authentic self. So thank you for bringing that up because that, that happens for so many people who hide behind the chaos that they create yeah unknowingly so that they don't have to look at themselves. Um, I was always running for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know of a time in my life until the past like year and a half that I started running towards who I was, who God mm-hmm. created me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also note that the whole, because of 2020, <laughs> everything mm-hmm. that happened politically and, and the world um, mm-hmm. that opened my eyes to so much wrong and disgustingness that the church was you know portraying Mm -hmm. they would all my life they'd say one thing but they'd act a different way and Mm -hmm. you know I saw so many red flags growing up um I'd be like you say this but you're not being that Mm -hmm. and 2020 was just like a load of it so that really 2020 and uh I started really recognizing the red flags in 2020 but fall 2021 is when I started, I guess, accepting and diving deep into the red flags, my deconstruction, Mm -hmm. whether I wanted it or not, my Mm -hmm. deconstruction journey was happening. Mm -hmm. Um, Right after I moved here to help start a church. No. (laughs) (laughs) God's timing is funny. Isn't it? God's timing is really funny. (laughs) Yeah. So I just learned how to put my mask on even more mm-hmm. and um, what I've been good at for so many years. And yeah, so, I mean, that's basically coming into the end of 2021. Um, I took that mini sabbatical. I finished the sabbatical, but then I went right back into it. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I had one conversation in November of last year with my um, with my pastor and I was like, I'm not okay. And he was like, maybe you need another break. So I pulled back from the church a little bit and uh, I told him, I was like, January 1st, I'm back. So I did. And then while this spring was by far the best time in my whole life with the church, it was probably the hardest. It's still hard, (laughs) as you know, from Mm -hmm. our uh, 
monthly meetings and yeah. stuff. Uh, which guys plug? Oh, please plug. <laughs> please plug. Like that's how I know Midge is our monthly. Uh, what is it like the first month? First that's Monday. The four. I don't know. It's it's once a month. Yeah, she'll probably plug it in at the end of this. So um, <laughs> once a month, it's like such a great community. It's so fun. Come and come and join us on our monthly Zoom. But. January, I, my health really kicked in and I, I've since lost 120 pounds yeah. and so far and I'm not done yet. Yeah, it's been a journey. Ooh, it's been a journey, but literal, like you said, a physical representation of the person that I've been, I'm becoming on the inside. Right. right. As, I, as I learned that to take my health seriously, mm-hmm. um, physical, my spiritual, my mental, both aligned in that. And I'm continually you know, mm-hmm. am I always perfect in any, any of my health, um, umbrellas? No, but I'm working towards, you know, mm-hmm. just creating healthy habits in every area of my life for the rest of my life so that I can, mm-hmm. I can become a better person, you know, more well-rounded, I guess you'd say. So, mm-hmm. um, not as rounded as I used to. Be, <laughs> <laughs> I saw a video of you the other day, that one that you posted where you were on your knees pr- pretending to oh propose. And I'm like, scared. you you look nothing like your former self. It was amazing. The transformation that you've already had. It really did. I hurt for you. I hurt for you as I watched you do that, but I'm, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you for choosing you. And, and, and I think that God loves when we become our best self you know it's not a pride thing it's a it's a i honor my temple i honor god i honor my life and you are doing that every day yeah. even when we're not perfect so, we're still doing it yeah yeah i'm still I, i'm not done I, no, right. i'll be if i if i stop now i'm not done yet <laughs> so uh in in every area in every area of my health mm-hmm. um so anyway this spring happened um i finally after my like mini depression that I had last fall, we love seasonal depression. Mm. Um, after that, uh, I really just went into the new year. Like, you know what? It's time. Like get over yourself, like love yourself, love yourself in every area. So that's when I, um, really started seeing results in my, in all of my health and, uh, physical, mental, spiritual. And I, um, I think it was, so with the church though, um, I'm really good at putting on that mask and I am terrified of rejection as we all are. So, um, I, I will say that the church, um, the church that I moved here to help start it genuinely, some of the most incredible loving people that I've ever met, especially within the church of God denomination, Mm -hmm. like, like accepting wise, I guess it's just because we're on the outskirts and Wilmington is on the outskirts of the Bible belt. So I, I guess they're a little more like accepting. So, but some of the most loving people and I had some really, really great, a great circle of friends there, but because I was terrified of rejection, I was unintentionally, intentionally building a wall in every area of life. I was wonderful. I was living on, like I, I was shining and just, I don't know. I was happy. I was happy. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I would park my car outside of the movie theater, where we met our church met. As soon as I would park it there, I'd have to give myself pep talks as I walked up to the door. Cody, they love you. Like you're, they, even though like they know your testimony, but like, they still love you. Stop building this wall. Like stop pulling yourself away 
so that they forget you <laughs> like when you decide to leave when you come out they're gonna hate you like mm. so that it won't hurt as bad just i was giving myself these pep talks and it's i'd be like you can do this like put don't you don't have to put on a smile but as soon as i would open the doors the smile would fade and i had so many people ask like cody you don't we don't see the same light in you Mm. that we did last fall or you know whenever you first moved here and i'd be like i'm just tired girl we had to we had to set up church <laughs> at a movie theater so we had to get there like 6 45 7 mm. so of course i was tired that was my excuse i would just you know tired was always my excuse for not having a smile yeah um but i would know how to you know i'd know how to click on the smile whenever i needed to Correct. um but those that knew me the most knew something was up i started pulling away from the church but then in March or April, some well, friend of mine at the church, she she always asked me, and she's a therapist in real life, so and for her day job, um, she would always ask me, Cody, what's the matter? And I'd be like, I'm tired. Well, one day I just, we were in sound, or we were in rehearsal. She asked me, Cody, what's the matter? And I was like, you know what? Just tell her. Mm. Like, just tell her. And she was the first person that I came out to. I was like, you know what? Let's let's go out to eat after worship rehearsal. And I came out to her and I told her like basically this whole journey. And she was like, I don't believe what the church of God, what, you know, all these people have told you all of your life is legit. Like, I believe there's misinterpretation as well as you do. I believe there's like politically the scripture has been used to, to create an idea of who the church is or who the church, who that, that the LGBT community is um, that just social constructs and all that kind of stuff depict mm-hmm. them to be terrible, disgusting, putrid people, mm. but they're not. And I believe God loves them for who they are. Um, and I was like, Oh my God, who and like, and you were raised in this denomination too. And who are yeah. you? And yeah. so that, so to answer your first question, three hours later, <laughs> This is the second time I came out. So yeah, that, that began my second coming out. Um, so what already- was that like? What was that like oh for you when she said that back to you, she reflected back to you something that was not what you expected from a church member. Oh. How did that <laughs> land for you? Well, I sobbed and uh-huh. it was just such a relief. I felt like I could breathe mm. for the first mm. time. Like that movie, Love, Simon. I think that's what it's called. Um, that was a huge movie when it for me when it came out back in like 2017, 2016. Mm. And um, the mom, Jennifer Garner, I think that's who it is. She looks at him in the movie and she says, you know, you just came out. And I feel like you've been holding your breath for so long, but for the first time in your, in my, you know, for the first time in a long time, I feel like you're breathing again. And I was like, that's literally how this feels. Mm-hmm. And I, I got addicted to oxygen. So I, started, <laughs> I started, I started coming out to my inner circle and I saw love and acceptance from the people in that church. I ended up coming out to my mom the day after Mother's Day. I'd went home and that, oh, that was hard, but it was, it, it, it was good. It was good. Um, and that's basically, you know, um, the pa- ever since then, it's been since May, it's been a journey. Uh, and mm-hmm. as I know, you have found out in our, you know, through mm-hmm. my posts and through our 
monthly Zoom meetings that you all mm-hmm. should come into. That's right. <laughs> but it's been a journey of some days are good, same days are some days are bad mm-hmm. because as I have di- dove deep into the theology and trying to rewrite the ideologies that I have been that has been shoved down my throat my entire life of who the church says that I am, who the church mm-hmm. says that God says that I am, mm-hmm. um, and realized historically the, um, the misinterpretation, but also like, like I said, the, the social, um, through what was that? The book that you recommended to me, um, is the homosexual, my neighbor, homosexual, my neighbor. That's a good book that I read. And I also, mm-hmm. I, I literally bought a book on, uh, LGBT history within the United mm-hmm. States, just mm-hmm. diving into how we've been mistreated mm-hmm. and how culturally it's just like we're, we're constantly attacked mm-hmm. just just for like leave us alone we just, <laughs> we're, know, right? just we want to love who we want to love I don't <laughs> care so my um I did end up leaving that church that I moved here to help start and that has caused some uh some hurt and mm-hmm. um that caused a lot of hurt actually. And, uh, over time I've realized just how much it hurt and, mm-hmm. um, the, even if the people even within that church that were accepting and loving of me when I left, um, or when I left, when I came out to them, but as soon as I left, I never heard a single word out of them again, you know, and not that they rejected me mm-hmm. who I was, but like you were my inner circle. And I left one day, after the pastor preached that homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God after I got Mm. that morning. And after I, like, I was literally taking photos of the service and he preached that. And yeah, I had sat down with him a few months prior and he said, I love you. I'm not kicking you out. Like you're a wonderful anointed person. And I believe God has a plan for your life, but you're still going to preach that, you know? Yeah. Right. And Mm. yeah, anyway, um, but I leave and, um, just over the past couple of months, it, it's literally day by day, um, a roller coaster of mm-hmm. just trying my best to keep my health, my head held high, um, not giving up on God and not giving up on the church mm-hmm. as, as hurt as I am. I have a, I need therapy. <laughs> I really do. Um, because a lot, it's just deconstructing trauma throughout mm-hmm. my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, I'm not giving up on God. There have been many days where I've like, I've thought, is this even real? Mm-hmm. Is God even real? Mm-hmm. Because there's been so much in the Bible that I found out that has been misinterpreted, completely rewritten to mm-hmm. fit someone's agenda. Mm-hmm. What's real and what's not. Yeah. I know I've encountered God in ways throughout my life that I can't deny that he's not real. Right. Uh, and I refuse to give up on that. Mm-hmm. Um I, I do still hear him talking to me, um, speaking to me through scripture, through, you know, through my thoughts, through, through billboards on the side of the highway through, you yeah. know, just, there, there are too many, too many coincidences. Mm-hmm. They're not just, you know, they're no, not, just, there are no coincidences. You know, you know what I'm yeah. Saying. Yep. yep. Uh, there too many things for them not to be a coincidence. That's what I'm saying. I, I've been visiting a few churches um, and that's been difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you know, you know, I've, recently started going to a church i'm meeting with the pastor on thursday of this church i'm meeting with the associate pastor next week i've gone three sundays and they're legitimately affirming the pastor has officiated um three gay weddings um, yay united methodist and it's just the most loving and accepting 
group. And honestly, like deep down, I keep expecting because it's all what I've always known. I keep expecting like, okay, when, when is the real truth going to come out? But I don't mm-hmm. think it is. Mm-hmm. I don't think it is. And, and that's so refreshing mm-hmm. um, to know that someone in the church loves me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Someone straight in the uh, church. Loves me. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nice when you get that validation from someone who is usually the person that condemns you, you know, with scripture or with their straightness, <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. it's nice <laughs> and it's sad. And it, it, we, sometimes I see us as little puppies, like, please love me, please say I'm okay. And we go through that stage of needing their approval before we can approve of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And so that that is a phase that we go through. And then we have to say, you know what? Even if the church continues to say, I'm not okay, I know I am. And I have to make that decision inside of me. But it's a process because we go, we we hear it so much that nobody approves of us that it's almost like we're like, ah, yes, <laughs> you know, wiggles all over. They love me. That's nice. And they're not yeah. gay. Um and and that I think that's why I went through that journey of trying, you know, when I met Father Joe, I tried so hard to get him to say that he didn't think that I was going to hell. I mean, going to heaven because I wanted, I wanted to push him away first. I didn't yeah. want to get in and get all back into church and then have it fall apart again. I just didn't think I could take it, you know, at the time. So it is a journey. And I think that having each other support each other like we do, you know, that if you have a bad day, you've got people, even, you know, we are gay, but we'll support each other. And there are also straight people that, you know, that love you and will support you. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, so you said that you came out to your mom and I guess my question is, as you're coming out to people and you've had some good experiences, are you noticing also that there are not good experiences to that you've lost people from that church that just quit talking to you for what, and that might be more of their pain of loss of you as a person and not because of the gayness. Yeah, exactly. And I always try and play devil's advocate. Yeah. uh, Yeah. uh, So I, I, I don't. I don't hate any of them. Yes. For, but, and there it have hurts. been also people. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it doesn't take the hurt away for sure. Right. That's the right. Right. Way to put it. right. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I've had family that hasn't been okay with it mm-hmm. and that's been whiplash mm-hmm. for yeah. me. I've been actually, I wasn't planning on doing, no, I'm not going to do that. And you don't, don't do anything you weren't planning on doing. We'll do that another time. <laughs> Anyway, but, but some family's not okay with it. And so that was kind of harsh and you weren't expecting that probably. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I was expecting it, but it still didn't, it still hurts. Yeah. Really, really bad. So, yeah. Um, but I'm just trusting, trusting and believing and praying that, you know, they'll come to accept. Mm-hmm. Um, when, but, you know, also you, they don't have to accept, you know, I, I, I don't need them to have to accept that you know, who, Mm -hmm. but I need them to love me, which I know those coincide, but like telling me, you know, you don't want me to see your future kids one day. Mm -hmm. You don't want me to be a part of their lives. Mm -hmm. There's no need for that. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. you can, you can have your beliefs. That's the better way to put this. You, you have to accept me. You can have your beliefs religiously, theologically on the issue, but Mm -hmm. you, you still have to love me. Mm-hmm. Um, because ultimately that's what God calls us to do is to love unconditionally, mm-hmm. but 
I don't need your, your quote unquote, unconditional love to have conditions. Mm-hmm. I don't need to sign a contract mm-hmm. in order. It's not up to me to live anyway. Well, I think I, I like what you're saying that you don't need them to change their mind about whether or not you're going to heaven or hell, but you want yeah. to be respected. You want to yeah. be seen. You want to be involved in their life. And putting that in the best terms. Yes. <laughs> words. Cody doesn't have them, but Mitch does. Uh, Mitch has too many words sometimes, but that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, you know, I, and I, and I would caution you to, to, to not accept disrespect. It's okay for them to have the time to work it out. You know, we've talked about that before that, you know, it takes us how many years to work out our own truth. And then we dump it on our family and friends and we want immediate acceptance, but they've got to work through the information too. They've got to go through their own, you know, process of figuring out how can you be gay and still be in a relationship with God? You know, they, they are coming from the fear-based doctrine that we have fought against half of our lives. So we give them time. That's fine. Give them time. But, you know, if somebody disrespects us to the point of saying, you know, you're out of my life and you can't see the children because you're a bad influence or you might taint them, finding Mm -hmm. the strength in in yourself not to beg or to silence your truth there has to be some way that we are have our own integrity and we can still possibly be in, in their relationship with them. And yeah. sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. And only time will tell with that. I feel like most of this story has been so dark. Cody, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But I will say like, yes, I am working through trauma, working through mm-hmm. deconstruction, deconstruction and, and pushing myself in my relationship with, with God and in learning about theology and the array of things. When I said, like, I got addicted to oxygen, I'm breathing lighter than I ever have in my Yay. entire life because I know God loves me. I know God affirm, affirms me. He has still called me and he still anointed me. And I know without a shadow of doubt that, you know, he's, even though there are days that I question who he is, who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I know God loves me and I, I know, I know they're real. Mm-hmm. And, and I am so happy because I know God loves me. I feel like I don't have to wear a mask. And no, I don't feel like I'm not wearing a mask anymore. As mm-hmm. I've began to love myself, it's been the best journey. It's been the most difficult journey. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's been the best journey of my entire life. Mm-hmm. So. That's beautiful. That yeah. that's beautiful. And I'm so happy for you. And I've seen you emerge into that lightness. And I've seen you be able to take those breaths, even through some of the tears. You know, we you're still breathing and you're still functioning a lot lighter physically and spiritually and emotionally (laughs) than ever before. And I'm really, really happy for you. So happy. I'm happy that we met. I'm happy that we're connected. Miss that I, you know, you had that accident. We didn't get to meet in person, but we're meeting yeah. in person almost through Zoom. We, we call be. it in person. We will. We will. Greensboro up the road from Ashboro. That's in right. Living Greensboro. We'll, we'll meet up soon. We oh. certainly will. We certainly will. And and I, you know, I'm I'm so glad that you're connected to this podcast, and I'm glad that you're connected to the Faith Journey Group. 
I think that's where we meet, we meet the needs of each other, you know, and we hold each other, we hold space for each other. And it's a beautiful thing. And I'm really, I'm really happy that you come. As we come to the end of this time together, Cody, I want to ask you a final question. During the time that you were struggling so much with the the doctrine and the dogma and the, the oppressiveness, what could somebody have said to you back then that would have resonated and brought you that shard of light before all of those years later? That's a big question. Mm-hmm. But also, I think it's just the simple words of God loves you mm. for who he made you to be. Mm. You don't have to fit into a box. Know that you're affirmed and you are loved by God and and trust the journey. As scary as it might be, oh my God, as mm-hmm. scary as it might be, mm-hmm. trust the journey because he's not given up on you. You can't give up on him. Mm, I love I that. remember the night that that I like made up in my mind there's no so so for years and years and years um i would start to question and i'd be like oh backpedal backpedal can't question like (laughs) you got it um you gotta stay on the straight and narrow and i'd get back on the straight and narrow but there was one night a little over a year ago probably around this time i realized there was no more backpedaling i Mm. i was i had started down a hill Mm. and I was terrified of crashing Mm. but I knew that the Lord was not going to let me crash (laughs) or burn and Mm -hmm. that he had my best interests in mind and he was going to take me along the journey and it was Mm. the scariest thing trust is a scary thing Mm -hmm. but it was trusting in him is I mean it's the best thing that I could have done and um, don't do it alone. That's another thing that I want to say is don't mm-hmm. do it alone. Um, mm-hmm. There are people out there that love you just mm-hmm. as God loves you. Mm-hmm. There are people out there that affirm you just as God affirms you find a community that mm-hmm. deep dive into this community um, and know, know that you are not alone, that there are people there with the same story as you um, know what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And, um, reach out to them. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes. Don't do it alone. Reach out. We're here for you. We yeah. absolutely are here for you. Cody, thank you. Thank you for not having an accident tonight for your oh sake and for ours. <laughs> I was looking in my rear view mirror the whole time praying. <laughs> Nobody better plow into me this time. <laughs> not even my car I'm borrowing. <laughs> I know. Well, I do. I really do appreciate you and, and having you in my life. So thank you for honoring us with your faith journey story and your coming out story. It is such a hopeful story, even through all the pain. You know, it's such a hopeful story and I'm so proud of you. Thank you. You're welcome. And I want to thank you listeners for coming back each week, supporting, sharing, and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to see more information and links to connect with Cody, go to the Gay With God show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. If you are listening to this podcast and are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with the God of your understanding, if you identify as LGBTQIA+, or not even sure if you're gay, God has always been within you, even when you didn't know it. You have always been gay with God. Check out our Facebook group, Gay With God, where you'll find that monthly Zoom group that 
Cody is talking about, my faith journey. If you need to s- support to help you through your coming out or faith journey, go to the show page at empoweredmidge.podby.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom and see how you can connect with coaching with me. So thank you, everybody. Stay tuned to see how you can join the Gay With God community. And as always, you're loved. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.